Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Embracing Ignorant Leadership. And our guest is Stephen Burrell, who's the Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Northern Arizona University. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and good morning. Good morning to you. And we also have Bill Davidson, who's the author for Breakthrough, How Great Companies Set Outrageous Objectives and Achieve Them. Hi, Bill. How are, how's life? Good morning, and it's great here in Southern California. Beautiful, beautiful. So so I have a, I have a lovely esteemed guests here, and, and the topic is rather interesting and someone might think okay what am i talking about here so ignorant leadership what does that mean and we are saying leaders today come with a lot of experience that they have earned over the years and that's what perhaps earned their stripes but then we are in totally new environment new fundamentals that are driving it new customer expectations new business environment variables that are governing what we are dealing with every day with all of that said and it keeps coming in different shape sizes and flavors it can be unnerving for any human being and leaders are still human so that said what do they do where in order for them to move forward, how do they switch to the new way of thinking or resetting their thinking? Do they just keep going back and looking at what they learned or they fundamentally do a reset and for that can they fun- they can just ignore what's going on, not think that that is going to be unnerving and that's how they build it. So, so it's, it's going to be an interesting discussion. And the first question I have, and I'll start with you, Steve, is what we are seeing is a lot of uncertainty in the market marketplace and the disruption doesn't simply stop. What do you think from your vantage point, suppose you were not playing the leadership role and just observing this, what would you have suggested they should do to think new, more or different and to steer this ship? Uh, thank you, Sanjo. Um, I think this topic of ignorant leadership uh, fits well with my past experiences whatnot. Uh, you know, as I've gone through life, I realize that the, the more I learn, the less I know. And so I, I think, you know, one of the things about steering the ship and, and what Peter Vail called back in the 1980s in his book, um, Permanent Whitewater, uh, is, you know, really about uh, keeping your focus and, and truly deciding what's really important. There's so much static, as you've alluded to out there, so many things that we can embrace, so many uh, red herrings to chase and new ideas. Uh, I think the, the key thing for a CIO in this day and age is, is almost to filter out the static uh, and to take a very positive approach, to latch on those things that seem truly important, keeping what Stephen Covey you know, described as that true north in front of us, um, what's your what's your vision? What are your values? Uh, what's your purpose? Uh, and defining that value proposition. Uh, and for us at Northern Arizona University, it's all about student success. So as we as we steer the ship, as we you know try to ascertain you know how to lead in this environment, uh, we, we put those core values back in front of us, and they and they become uh, those true norms that we move to. A ton of static. Um, I purposefully disconnect, and and the other thing that I do, 
pragmatically to kind of keep you know things heading in the right direction, I get out. I walk around campus. I talk to students. Um, you know, at first they're a little uneasy. The guy in the suit, uh, the creepy old guy that's you know been following me around the building. Uh, but you know, once we get into uh, past the introductions and some conversation. Uh, you know, it's really good to get into their mindset and see things through their lens. And so I, I think these are some of the key things, um, you know, about this ignorant leadership thing is, is just embracing your ignorance and getting that perspective while sharing your vision. So, Bill, based on what Steve just said, we say we will ignore or we will learn, but at the same time, we'll unlearn a whole lot. Do you think we can, we have reached that level of evolution as humans that we can really do that on a regular basis while living our daily life and still pay our bills? Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. And Steve, great comments. First of all, I want to say, Steve, I'm, I'm jealous of your ability to go walk around like that and clear the brain. I, by the way, take a week each year and go hiking in your part of the world. It's, uh, it's my favorite part of the, of the whole globe, frankly, northern Arizona. I'm very jealous of your location and Maybe you even know my good friend, the outfitter, uh, Pat Conley, there in Flagstaff. What a wonderful <laughs> way to clear the brain to go hiking, you know, out That's in the right. Plateau. I love it. But uh, And my former partner, by the way, Ron Hubert, is there at Northern Arizona University in the environmental mm-hmm. studies area. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to come back to the key theme. Uh, you know, my experience, I have a ton of experience in the IT world, but my experience is more with uh, uh, general management, leadership development. And in to this point of learning, uh, in major corporations that we work with, the pattern of leadership development today is one whereby the chosen few are given relatively brief assignments of two, maybe three years in areas specifically where they have no domain expertise or knowledge. So they're put into environments, purposefully put into environments where they do not have any expertise. The point of that exercise is to ensure that they develop a listening and learning capability early in their leadership development cycle. So that pattern of learning and adapting to the immediate context that they're in is ingrained, is developed at the earliest stages of their career. Therefore, uh, learning and listening are the central themes in leadership development in major organizations. Now, I'm going to stop there because there are 10 other things I'd like to say, but I want to maybe put that point on the table and specifically mention that uh, perhaps, unfortunately, that model may not work as well for the IT world because IT leaders are domain experts generally. They are people who have deep knowledge in the areas in which they're leading. So uh, it may be that this model that's being used for general management leadership is not as appropriate for IT leaders. So, Steve, and, and uh, Bill, great point here, but Steve, what, what I have heard is, as part of you resetting your thinking, you could mm-hmm. abstract yourself from your day-to-day operations and go out and, and draw on a white sheet of paper. Or you fundamentally switch your role to become a business leader, take a sabbatical from IT and come back. So those are, I would still call them tactics, but that doesn't take away a person's ability to deal with the next new thing which is going to come after you've taken your sabbatical and you're back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not like a one-time reset. Well, you know, I think, um, I think 
to Bill's point, right, the, the question's probably the most powerful technology of all. So, you know, our ability to go out there uh, as leaders and be able to form up um, the right questions is certainly more valuable to us um, uh, than providing the answers, at least in my experience. And you know, it's pretty easy to do in a higher education environment. Uh, questions and questioning is really the basis of, you know, the whole premise of higher education. And so I think, you know, we can use those kinds of fundamental lessons to get out there, particularly when we're, when we're addressing that new and good thing. Um, um, and realize CIOs, you know, have to realize that, uh, you know, we, there's no way in this day and age that we can possess all of the knowledge and all of the answers. So it's about the questions. It's about surrounding ourselves with people who also know how to ask good questions. Um, it's about developing uh, the people skills, the soft skills in people. Uh, and we've, we've done some specific things to do that here because it's a balance between having that deep technical knowledge and, uh, uh, and you know, the ability to engage people in a meaningful conversation uh, that really cuts through some of the issues when it comes to, um, you know, is this really important to us? Is, is this the most important thing for us to be working on here and now? And that conversation happens at the executive level. And it happens at a very fundamental frontline level as well. So even though we are calling this as, okay, we are CIO Talk Network, so we talk about technology leaders. And, and, and Bill, to your point, that what you, what you worked on in general leadership and management. And let's keep the discussion to that because at the end of the day, leadership, whether you come from IT or any other domain, it's about influence. Mm-hmm. And it's about being able to ask the right questions to your point, Steve. Mm-hmm. And be able to know where you're going or at least that's the perception the rest of them get i'm not saying you you're going to trick the rest other people but at least you you know how to tackle something but when you are short of ideas on what's coming next or how you're going to deal with what's coming next you are essentially not being seen as a leader and rightfully so but you have to get back to that level by doing something so goal here is to find what's that something someone will do who is going to be temporarily demoted because of something totally new, which the person has never encountered, is encountered by this individual, and this person is going to react in a certain way or rather respond in a certain way. So, Bill, if I were to ask you, if someone like a very, very competent, very experienced technology or even otherwise business leader has this situation, how is this person supposed to respond to that? Wonderful. This is a very, very good point. It's at the heart of really uh, the work that we do with a lot of organizations. And I think uh, it's a bit situational, of course. So my first reaction would be, how strong is your team in this situation that you described? This, this you know, this uh, uncertain kind of environment, new, different environment that the leader is dealing with. How strong is your team? Uh, that's a key question. Uh, and let me put, let me make it difficult. Let's say that you do not really have the expertise in, on your team to deal with the situation that you're describing. Uh, our immediate reaction to that, now remember, I'm tending to work with large, frankly, you know, global 100 organizations. So the, the next step in that process for, of leadership is to identify the best resources available within the extended organization. And we, to Steve's comment, we are actively 
actively support uh, asking for help from the best resources that we can identify initially within the organization. And, of course, that then extends beyond. So we're going uh, to rely on our team to the extent that's possible, bring them along, of course, and develop them in the process. But if we don't have the resources and the expertise immediately at hand, then we've got to go to the extended organization and beyond that to external resources. That's the role of the leader in that situation with one other key component I might add, and that is the leader has to bring what Steve referenced, has to bring what we call the enterprise context to this situation, which is an understanding indeed of the organization's broader uh, long-term strategy, vision, uh, the current initiatives that are under underway, the desired future state of that organization, uh, all of those things have to be brought to the table as you're considering uh, actions and, and steps to be taken in the situation you're in. If the leader does not have that enterprise context, we have a very serious problem, right? So that's the piece that has to, has to come to the table with that leader. The rest of it can be learning. So, yeah, Bill, uh, I couldn't I really. I think that's very insightful, uh, and I think it's why the CIO has to fight for the opportunity to sit at the strategic table, um, at least in higher education or institutions, and I'm sure, increasingly, you know, in enterprise uh, businesses. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important aspect, and it can be articulated. But in that context. You know, one of leadership's key responsibilities is to connect frontline work in these teams that Bill talked about, you know, with their purpose and connecting their day-to-day activities with these greater, um, you know, strategies and mission and vision and outcomes and, and, and creating, you know, at the same time, uh, a, a culture of accountability and innovation and, and teamwork towards that. Uh, and so that's really highly important. And I think, to his point as well, in higher education, we have great opportunities. We we may be competitors on the football and basketball court, football fields, soccer fields, etc. But you know, many of us are highly collaborative in exchange. Uh, but yet, our cultures uh, over the years, you know, have been one of, uh, you know, uh, this is my domain, this is my area of expertise. Uh, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll read the manual. Um, you know, and and my sense of value to the institution is in my technical wisdom and technical depth. And, and what I've found is we have to do is we have to turn that around. We have to embrace those individuals and say, reach out for help. You've got colleagues that are solving these same kinds of, and peers at, at these other institutions are solving the same kinds of problems. There's no value in you reading the book. The value is in the outcome towards the mission. And, uh, and higher education is right for that. But culturally, many of us are still ingrained to that in our teams. Let's take, take a quick, quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back, Bill. And let's, let's talk about this subject a little more. And I wanted to throw in a, a variable which perhaps is the core of what we're talking today, is it's not the same old, same old. You don't have the capabilities existing in the company. The teams are strong, but they may have other attributes, but not they, they don't have the wherewithal to deal with what's coming ahead. So leader and the team and the management and the foresight and the strategy, everything is hazy or weak. 
given what the un- unknown or uncharted territories we are entering and the variables which are thrown at us. So your responses when we come back from the break would be great if we incorporate that uncertainty, that lack of ability versus what we have been dealing with so far. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, so Bill, uh, I mean, of course, your response was spot on in terms of what a company would do when they had some clarity or some capability, which is very well defined that you need for a company. But when you're in a state of flux, when the business models are changing, the customer expectations are changing, the capability requirements are changing, the compliance regulation mandates are changing, privacy and security related uh, issues are changing or expectations are changing. Then at that time, we really cannot benchmark a team, a leader, a partner based on anything that we did in the past. With that haziness, how does one move forward and how do you prevent a leader from losing their nerve and, and, and... Uh, having a nervous breakdown, for that matter. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. I, I want to start actually halfway to that because uh, in experience, I want to say that, in fact, I believe that in most cases, the models, the, the processes that we are searching for do exist out, out there. They do already exist and can be benchmarked and can be replicated. And I would, I would argue that applies to the vast majority of the frontier situations that companies are facing, so that's a position um, that we can we can debate and discuss. But I I believe they're out there, and frankly, if you find the guys who are doing the state of the art work, I mean, I would share it. But I think these things have largely been addressed. Most of these challenges have been addressed elsewhere. Now, having said that, if you're in that state, then your job indeed is to find those reference points and embrace them, learn from them, and translate them into your environment. No small feat, frankly. 
I think that covers most of the situations that we're going to be dealing with as leaders. Now, if you do find yourself in a situation, a true frontier environment that you just described, where the solutions do not exist, where you are really out there, uh, that's breakthrough territory. That requires a, a certain caliber of leadership that, in, in fact, as you indicate, really is going to take uh, extensive courage to, uh, to address and resources and institutional support, etc. That's a very challenging situation that you just described requires a very special breed of leadership. And it's not about just nature issue, right? We are talking about someone would not suddenly come out as a, a special breed of very courageous leader. That courage or that approach to be able to keep yourself sane while dealing with those situations is could be a function of nurture or the mindset or whatever training and experience or, 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 or what the organization does to them. So that said, Steve, if I were to come back and talk about this ignorant leadership, so if you have everything which is so much in flux that you don't know what the heck do I do, is the first thing to just drop all of that and say, I'm not going to care about what's the uncertainty and what, what cannot be done. And, and that's where I embrace ignorance as, is bliss and just be foolish, be stupid, as Steve Jobs said, and go for the kill. Is that what's going to fly? Well, I, I think there's a balance there. Uh, but, but, you know, th- there is a certain amount of... Um, Wisdom, I think. Um, I played football in college, and so you know, I, I quote Vince Lombardi and others too much because there's a lot of stuff I learned outside the classroom on that field. And you know, he said that you, you know, success doesn't always go to the bigger, faster, stronger man, but to ultimately to the individual or the player who believed that he could. So I think there's this sense of positivism and preparation, and uh, that allows us to prepare our teams to embrace some of these new and exciting things. In many ways, you know, we're trying to reinvent higher education right now. Um, you know, we're looking at all sorts of models and technologies and processes and business processes to help students succeed and to turn out students from our institutions who are job ready. Um, and so, but one of the things that holds us back that I think you have to get to right away and Peter Drucker said it, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So I don't think you can ignore these things. I think there are specific things that you have to go for that do not have solutions in the marketplace, having you know, looked and studied and asked the questions of people, gotten through the, the, the marketware conversations about what's real and not real, um, to identify specific opportunities and then to embrace your teams, as Bill said, it's all about the strength of that team and are they prepared to do this? And it's not cheap. It's an expensive venture. Um, It takes time to innovate. It takes time to do these things and experiment. Even in agile-like environments um, uh, and pivoting people off of things like, you know, the old waterfall methodologies that we're so comfortable with, um, getting changing uh, people's minds at the programming levels. The programmers have to become integrators now, and, and we've got to move system administrators into systems analyst jobs who can go out and use their soft skills to actually engage people to learn what's needed. Uh, this is heavy lifting, um, but in niche areas specifically, I, I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, and uh, realizing that 
you, you may not be successful in the long run. So these are the risks I think you take. But, uh, but we just can't ignore the opportunities in front of us or say, oh, well, there's no solution out there. Um, you know, when, when there's, a, there's a bigger, better problem to solve here for a greater purpose. So, being a leader cannot play keep keep playing the leader role or or just fake being a leader if they wanted to learn. They have to actually become students to get to know what the new is and and what will they have to do to earn their stripes back again for being a leader. But then at the same time, they're supposed to take care of things that are going on. Do you think organizations have created a way by which they allow that bubble where the leader becomes a student again and, and repurposes themselves for the newer age ahead and uh, allowed them to make the mistakes, etc.? Well, I, I really think the, the situational learning, you know, is, is ongoing all the time, right? And that's part of the model of, of uh, the leadership journey that you know most organizations are putting together. So your situational learning is a full-time job. I think what you're describing uh, really relates more to uh, a, a, a more of a strategic context. You know, are we fundamentally innovating our business model, business processes, you know, our position in the marketplace, our customer value proposition, et cetera? And that's where I think more of this kind of uh, a broader external learning you're talking about comes in. Uh, that is, that's a challenge. You know, that's not readily, that's not readily at hand. You have got to get outside your organization, frankly, I believe, to uh, to go through that kind of learning process. So I think that's where we we may have uh, some gaps for leaders, some need. How do you get exposed to, uh, you know, uh, these kinds of inputs? I think the. Uh, one of the areas that I think is can be particularly fruitful for that is uh, the you know the peer the peer advisory group structures that are out there, and, and there are quite a number for leaders. But being part of a you know group of progressive uh, you know uh, peers uh, who uh, may, may may not be from your industry, of course, that they'll be from other businesses, but guys who are experiencing these same kind of challenges, we use that model quite heavily for this. Uh, this kind of external learning you're talking about. So I can give you an example of uh, me going and uh, moderating quite a few discussions around the globe and talking about this uncertainty and this, say, digital world that we are living in and everything is in flux. And there are some some areas that I poll the audience on and literally not even a single human being in the room raises hands that they have a handle on it. So God bless us how we create uh, any advisory group where everybody's scratching their head. <laughs> yeah, I like it. But, you know, think about that situation you just described, though. You know, isn't it helpful, you know, when you're wrestling with something and you're really lost at sea, perhaps, on that topic, isn't it helpful to talk to some people who are also wrestling with it? And won't those conversations be fruitful? You know, we're thinking about this. We're, we're trying that. What about that? You know, I think, you know, that can still be extremely helpful, right, uh, to talk with peers. Now, the other piece of this is, you know, again, remember we talked earlier, uh, you know, go find the domain experts inside or outside, the guys who are, you know, the best, you know, in this particular area that you're working in. Now, there, if none exist, if this is really a de novo area, you know, you're in breakthrough space. You've got to get a breakthrough mindset there. You're going to shape this thing. You're going to define it. You're going to create the solutions. 
you know, certain people are up for that game. Others are not. And frankly, many organizations are not up for that game because it's such a high-risk environment. That's a venture capital kind of environment that we're in. There is going to be a lot of failure. And frankly, no matter what we say, most large established organizations are not up for that game. They're not up for a game where, you know, your, your success rate is 50-50 at best. So, Steve, if I were to ask you, uh, given the unique environments that I'm referring to, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you got quite a bit of your portfolio, which could be based on what you've learned over the years and which is still more predictable. But there are new areas that are getting introduced in almost every domain today, every industry vertical today, which are unnerving and where you don't have a precedence, which you can go for. There is no subject matter expertise which you can bank on. So if you were to approach that, are you going to be the lone warrior who's going to take your own sandbox and experiment till you turn blue to find out whatever you find out and then implement? Is that how you're going to approach it? Because you still have to play the leader in your company and this position. If you'll be in that position where things are not the regular ones, these are brand new areas and there is no support available from outside, what are you expected What's your expectation from you, from the rest of the world out there? How would you react to it? How would you demonstrate your leadership? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take half a step back, and then I'm going to get to that. But, uh, you know, CIOs are hired for strategy and fired for operations. So b- before you step out into that unknown area, you have to make sure that your operations are solid. Uh, you know, the trains are running on time uh, because at the end of the day, uh, those become huge distractions to anything else that the CIO is going on. So you, you've got to put good people in place, get good processes there, and, and make sure that your your day-to-day ops are solid. That done, I think you become an outward-facing CIO, um, and there's a couple of areas that you know I think you can go with. Uh, there, there's somebody out there who's also thinking like you are. So, you know, you, Troll, uh, you know, the, the, the Twitter feeds, troll uh, peers, troll other organizations. Uh, get outside the United States, for example. Uh, there's some tremendous things going on, um, you know, outside of here and some real innovative thinking that just doesn't make it into our mainstream uh, kind of media space here or, or dialogue. So uh, leverage the Internet. Make some friends. Uh, then I think, you know, you've got to surround yourself and you've got to create a group within your organization who's, um, you know, those uh, people who are, are inquisitive, they're experimental, uh, carve out time in the operations of things for people to uh, free themselves from the drudgery of day-to-day and embrace some of these ideas. I'm fond of, you know, calling things pilots and, and really working, you know, and, and and what we refer to as the skunk works in, in some of our, you know, military-type things, there's an opportunity for that. Um, I tend to keep it a little isolated. Um, we tend to experiment. Uh, we tend to share, you know, with others who are interested in this. Blockchain is probably a really good example out there today. Um, and, you know, keep leadership informed of what you're doing, but, you know, keeping those trains running on time is, is going to keep them off of your back. Um, but, you know, there's experimentation is at the core of what we should be doing, frankly. Um, and knowing that technology is a fundamentally human thing, um, that it exists, you know, for the sole purposes 
of our humanity, enhancing it, leverage your human resources to embrace these problems. We uh, we also often go out there uh, experimentally and and ask our customers, ask our students to participate in these activities. Um, we're pretty clear about setting expectations there, um, but you know they bring marvelous new ideas to play in, in a sandbox that's you know relatively safe. Um, and then we we prove some things out. Eighty um, percent of the time, there's nothing to show for it, and we move on. So that idea of failing fast, failing quickly, uh, certainly comes into play. Keep the trains running on time. Set aside some time to to integrate uh, and interface with people out there. There's a ton of ideas that we can execute on. Find those things that are most purposeful to your mission, vision, and purpose. So, Bill, when we look at any leader who is successful, one of the things that they do well is they pick up the battles which they can win. It's not that they only want to win, but they will not unnecessarily go about solving world's hunger problem or things which they cannot really have full control over. But then, when we're talking about the newer environment that we are the percentages of the percentage of the challenges that they are dealing with today the more more of the challenges seem like the ones which are the impossible types what should the leaders do then should they just use their traditional wisdom approach of uh, only picking up the battles or they just jump in remaining ignorant but you know one of the things that comes to mind is that somewhat of a related point, but I think, in my view, this comes back to the subtitle of the book, Breaks You Right, the Outrageous Objectives Point. Uh, it is really important as you're in these fluid spaces to have a target. The targets are really essential. It, it focuses everyone forward. You may not have the solution, the program, the uh, operational capability to get to that target yet, but you have a very specific target and that, that should remain fixed. Once you have the target, then it focuses your learning efforts, right? And and when somebody brings something to you, you immediately can determine whether it's going to be helpful or not. It makes decision-making much simpler as opposed to, well, let's try this or let's try that. So I think the, the leader can help here again by, by de- developing the target and perhaps even a broader uh, preferred future state vision that we want to get to. At that point, uh, you know, we're going to be able to take in our contributions from various parties much more efficiently. We're going to be able to dedicate resources to specific projects that support the creation of that future state. I think, you know, all of this then becomes a much more fruitful kind of exercise as opposed to just simply a learning exercise, right? It's, It's applied learning towards a specific target that the leader is going to put in place. So I think that's a big part of the exercise here to make this fluid, you know, uncertain world environment we're talking about become purposeful. So when you when you do mention about future state, that is, again, taking an assumption that people have clarity on this is how the customers are going to be and that the ecosystem is going to be. People are not even thinking beyond 18 months now. Yeah. So is that that is would you define still that as a future state or or like that's not truly a future future that's around the corner state? Yeah, you know that's interesting. We tend to think in terms of like you don't want to be too far out with your long term vision. So we tend to think about three years, but with one year cycles in it, right? So you're you're looking out because you, the kinds of things we're talking about in many of these cases you can't do in a year, even if even if everything's perfect. 
price. So you're going to have intermediate stops on the way. But don't go so far out with your vision that it becomes, you know, uh, intangible. Here's where we want to get to in a three-year time frame. Here's where we want to be in one year. Here's where we want to be in two years. And after one year, of course, you're beginning to make some adjustments because of what you've learned and what you've seen so far, and you're, you're iterating it as you go. But hopefully, your target isn't changing at the end of the cycle. Yeah, Bill, let me, uh, Steve, I, I think um, I, that's spot on with kind of what we're thinking here and what I've seen as being successful. We've pulled back from those, uh, long-term to us is 36 months now from a strategic planning standpoint. And annually, yeah. within that strategic plan, we identify key result areas, not more than five, six, or seven. One of those key result areas is is something on the innovative cutting edge. And so we, we tend to focus people around that particular key result area because it's, again, tied to outcomes of the university or bigger strategies. Uh, and then we riff on that you know, every year. And uh, that allows us to be, uh, as Peter Vale said, kind of ride the flow, uh, ride the yeah. whitewater in a way that you know, allows us to be highly nimble, but at the same time, you know, um, attend to the business at hand. Oh, and, yeah, that's and, good. I, go ahead, Bill, go ahead. I, I'm just going to say that that's really a, a great, you know, short summary, I think, of how you go about it. Outstanding. And I, I think I would just reinforce the five to six key result areas. That's probably the maximum you should be thinking about as well. Right. Let's take and a quick break, listeners. I, mean, I, would, yeah, so like, I could add a, just one more thing. Sometimes I would add that five to six. Uh, I would say, yes, indeed, at least one should be of major innovation. At least one, hopefully more, should be immediate customer impact. Another mm-hmm. one should be an efficiency impact. All right, so think about the mix of the, uh, the, the targets that you're putting on the table. You know, well said. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's bring focus back on the very leader, the human that we are talking about. And with them dealing with uh, quite a few challenges the confidence, the empathy, the creativity, whatever are the core attributes you expect out of a leader, they start taking a hit. And when that happens, the leadership influence and the potential and the perception all starts dwindling. How should that leader in that situation deals with it? And and Steve, you live it. I'm sure many other leaders that you deal with, Bill, would love to get a feedback on how people are seeing that dip, how are they reporting that dip, and how are they fighting it and coming out successful, if they are? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be, we will be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. 
Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash help or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Steve, I'm sure you would have had situations yourself it's your, at your discretion. Please share what have you done when you've come, come across situations which are totally bringing you, hitting you from the left field, surprise you, don't have the capability in-house or in you. What's the best way you train yourself or, or treat yourself in that situation so that you continue to deliver as a leader on the things you're supposed to, but also be able to effectively deal with this totally new, unprecedented incident or situation? Sure. Uh, you, you know, I think the, the first thing you have to recognize is, uh, again, that things are going to come out of left field. You're going to mess it up. Uh, you're going to miss something important. Uh, there's going to be a project that goes sideways. Uh, there's going to be something, you know, that hits you on a compliance side that just blindsides you, and, and, and or an audit that you, you just have no idea that was going to happen. I think the first and foremost thing, you know, from a leadership position and in a leader working with other leaders, uh, is is you got to be truthful about it, right? You got to be honest. You got to put yourself out there. Um, Interestingly enough, I don't think being vulnerable in this aspect is really a weakness. I think it's about building trust. I think it's about being honest. So when uh, you know a project goes south here, or you know we've been through a security audit and maybe a process audit, and and we've got this gaping hole, you know that, that escaped us for whatever reasons. Um, uh, you, you know, I think you, you got to own up to it. Say, look, uh, I don't. You know, this is a surprise to me. I don't understand it. And then say, here's what I intend to do about it, right? And some of those intends to do for me are usually, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to peers. I'm going to find out what what best practices are. I'm going to rally my troops. Uh, maybe I'm going to invoke um, our project management office to to provide some structure over this. Um, but, you know, the, the, you've got to be able to articulate certain steps. And then finally to say, you know, here's where I want to be six months from now, three months from now, a year from now, um, to get out there or get ahead of something. And, and then this is what I'm going to bring back to you. Then go back to those teams, uh, you know, that have been so important to us and explain the situation. Be honest to them. What is our role here? You know, what, is, what are we responding to? What are the expectations of us? And just be real clear about that and solicit their input. Um, you, you know, I, I could probably go into a lot of examples, but, but these kinds of things come at us every day, small or big. 
Um, and I think at the core of it, you know, heroics is not a sustainable model. And CIOs, you can't be a hero. And you, you, here's the other thing. I mean, you, you got a choice in life. Mark Twain said you could know more and more about less and less until you knew everything about nothing or less and less about more and more until you know nothing about everything. The CIO's got to put yourself in the middle of that somewhere, right? And, and then surround uh, yourself with peers, mentors, capable people, resources, experts, you know, that are going to help you bridge those gaps. Um, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier, asking, asking the good question. So, you know, it happens to me every day. So, Bill, the biggest challenge with any leader will be is to shed the belief that what got them here will not get them there, which is actually a book, right? Marshall Goldsmith. But then the unlearning part of whatever they did, while it may be working partially for what they were doing as part of their portfolio, but then that's not going to work for the rest. They cannot have two sets of so-called leadership methodologies, two sets of personalities to deal with the old and the new. They have to migrate to the new. So how do leaders, whether come from IT or from business, shed their old skin to wear the new? You know, that is that is the central thesis in the work that we do. It, it is uh, as, as clear a statement of uh, the reality of the situation for leaders as, as anything out there. So when you look at that process, uh, we tend to go into a full immersion retooling exercise. You know, so that, that is not something you do while you're, on, you know, while you're on the job. You need to step back. You need to go through a retooling process, and we have formal mechanisms for doing that for leaders as they go about this. Now, in the general management model that we're talking about, remember, the leaders are going through two, three-year cycles in new situations, so there is a transition phase between each of those positions. And there, are, there are formal retooling exercises, you know, that we go through before we go into the new situation. How you do this in real time, in in place, that's a much more difficult exercise, isn't it? Now, I would come back and say, however, again, my my world is the global management world, and we teach because of the realities of international business. We teach a model that is a multimodal leadership model. So the model is indeed, when you come into any situation, the first step is to assess, understand the context, assess, adapt, and act. And in that model, indeed, you might have your old management and leadership model that is relevant in some settings, and you might have a new uh, management and leadership model that you're using elsewhere. I think, frankly, sooner or later, you're going to get into a portfolio approach to what you're doing as a leader. And you're going to need to have multiple models that you can use with different parts of the portfolio and different people in your team or extended team and in your extended organization. So I think those are some skills that we need to develop as leaders and we need to be able to dial in the appropriate mode that we're using to be most effective in a variety of different situations. If I could just take one more point, I would say, Back to this point around these most challenging environments, the first reaction to that point would be simply to say, how big a part of your portfolio is that that extremely challenging situation? If it is your entire portfolio, if you are dedicated to one particular endeavor and you are in that extremely challenging environment, man, you better go find some help 
So that is going to be, you know, hugely challenging and difficult. If it's a, you know, smaller piece over here, uh, you know, you know, you may come back and say, look, you know, I'm going to write this one off. And then you got to go through the, the leadership role that's appropriate for terminating something, disbanding a team, repurposing a team, et cetera. So I think all those points are, are correct. And I think the sooner you get to a portfolio mindset on this, probably the better off you'll be as a leader. So when you're using the word leadership here, one thing I wanted to clarify, what you said, Bill, is more of a management versus leadership because here you're talking portfolio rationalization. And I'm taking it to a level above, which is leadership, which is a mindset, which is an approach to how you handle anything. That could not have had a portfolio approach. And I would want to come to you, Steve, on this, that would you at all ever, Steve, take an approach of how you think depending on what you're dealing with, with your principles, your values, your, 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 your core attributes that you bank upon to do anything as a leader. You would not shift those based on what you're dealing with. It has to be the same set of values. And that's what we are trying to rewire a leader for the times right. ahead. Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, this full immersion model, I think uh, that Bill described, you know, is really a great approach and ultimately a great way to do it. But most of us don't have the luxury of doing it. It's difficult. Keeping those and, and you know, holding that mirror up, knowing, you know, yourself, right, uh, doing that self-examination, knowing what those core principles but But the analogy of the skin and the snake is very good because the other acknowledgement we have to have there is in order to grow, we have to shed that skin, and we have to do it with a regular basis. The faster we grow, the faster we're shedding. How do we do that, you know, around these principles, uh, but, you know, at the same time that we're doing it for those of us who don't have this kind of full immersion capability? A couple of ideas. One, I set aside time every morning, 20 minutes. Uh, You know, what's new going out there? How does this relate to me? How does it relate to my core values? Am I thinking about this right? Maybe I write a colleague I haven't talked to in a long time, say, hey, I was just reading about blockchain, and I was thinking this, but you know, maybe it's something different. What's your point of view? Asking that question. The other one that's really good for us, and you know, recognizing that in the end, we're ignorant about something in our leadership capacity. As I said at the beginning of the show, the more I learn, the less I realize I know. Um, Shadow a colleague. Shadow a staff member. Shadow a student. Shadow a faculty member. Um, You know, find a relationship there and just say, look, I want to see things from your point of view and your lens for today. Um, It's an amazing way to get outside of your own skin. Um, you know, and to walk in somebody else's moccasins for a day or two to see the world from their point of view. You can do that, have the discipline to do that on a somewhat regular basis. I think you'll find yourself changing, and I think you'll find yourself adapting your leadership style and your capabilities, your technology choices, your processes um, in a much better way. Now, Bill, when we come back to the different ways or different environments that we're going to deal with. If you were to look across the portfolio of clients that you may have worked with or the deep thinking you would have done as part of writing your book, what is the mental state that this new leader, I'm not saying the leader is new, but the environment that they have is new. So the the new leadership 
approach which will work well for the times ahead what would the mental state how would we define a mental state that somebody should embrace for them to be relevant well, for the times ahead wonderful and i and i think uh, again uh, my world Sanjay, is primarily around uh, a global uh, environment and an emerging technology or an innovation project model. So I'm talking about a particular kind of environment. I'm not talking about what Steve called the operational, you know, mode. So if you're looking at that space, you know, the, the qualities we're going to need are clearly, I think the first one that comes to mind is mental agility uh, in terms of the ability to shift from A to B to C. I think those are going to be important. I think you, you come back to uh, having a, uh, a depth of experience and as a substitute for a depth of experience, a, a very deep, broad network that has been developed, cultivated, and is, you know, maintained and is accessible as needed. I think those, that, that quality is underrated, if you will. And that's not a, a uh, you know, a genetic quality. That's something you, you build, you create, your personal network of course, is, is critical here. So I think those two pieces would be the first things that I would reference if you think about what's going to take to be successful in the kind of environment that we're in. I would also say, frankly, and you alluded to it several times, so much of this is about uncertainty and, and then secondarily about risk. There are people who are simply genetically not well-suited for highly uncertain or risky environments. So this is some self-knowledge that, uh, you know, Steve referenced, you better be uh, knowledgeable about your own ability to handle uncertainty and risk. And if you, you know, if you're not comfortable in that setting and you're not able to get comfortable in that setting, you know, it's not for you. So we better be looking at people who are able to handle, you know, diverse, fluid, dynamic environments that are fundamentally uncertain and risky. So better love, you better have a natural love and passion for you know, dynamic environments and uh, highly uncertain environments and a love of learning about what's going to happen in these places. Let's take a, uh, let, let's one final question I have for you, Steve, and I have only, actually, you know what, only 30 seconds. If you could give me the one word that comes to mind, which will symbolize the personality of the new age leader or the mindset they should wear, what would that one word be? I think you have to be an entrepreneur. I think you have to think about the agility that Bill spoke to and the, the willingness to fail, uh, to be honest with yourself, um, to celebrate, you know, and, and build upon what has been successful in the past. Um, and so that's the one word that comes to mind, I think, uh, from a new leadership paradigm. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much again, Steve and Bill, for sharing your views on how leaders can embrace ignorant leadership and tackle the times ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And, uh, thank you again. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, join our LinkedIn community, and do listen to the lot of podcast channels that we have iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, we are everywhere. So we'd love to have you here and rate us so that more people get to know. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.